Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here, joined once again remotely for a Bond Daft Project Bond Ranking episode. This is for Best Score, our favourites of the Bond scores. Joined remotely, as mentioned, with Gordon Webster. Good afternoon, Mr Barry. And Steve McCall. A very good afternoon, y'all. Good afternoon to you guys. As mentioned in our previous podcast, if you've listened to it, Fran is out with... uh, with a back pain, he's not going to be in. I don't. I've not heard from him. I doubt he will be calling in, but uh, he may call in to surprises. But he has nominated his uh, favourites for this category as well. So yeah, I feel we'll... we need to throw in an honorary yo 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 in there. Or oh yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll all do it at the same time. Okay, one, yep. two, three. Yo 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 yo. yo, yo. yo. <laughs> Way off time, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's beautiful, the beautiful. There we go. That's for you, Fran. Uh, hope you get better. But uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we are going to be talking about the best Bond scores. That was uh, a week where I was trying to listen during my work, trying to listen to all the different scores, which was interesting when you're trying to do an office admin job and you've got this really dramatic uh, action hero music playing in the background <laughs> and things like that so that was fun uh okay let's let's stick with the same structure we'll put forward our nominees and then we'll slowly cut them to get to the final winner and two runners up we'll start again with fran's nominees and let's see what he's got so best scores I'll do them. He's he's given me in his best order, but I'll do it. I'll mix it up in random order. Skyfall, Live and Let Die, Goldeneye, Octopussy, and You Only Live Twice. So I'll add these to the list. Happy to see You Only Live Twice mentioned there. That was one I wasn't sure would get in. I knew Live and Let Die was going to get in. This is tough. I I was listening to them and going, yeah, I think that might be my favourite. Oh, wait, that might be my favourite. No, wait, that one might be my favourite. So, some great stuff to talk about. This is going to be really tough. Yeah. Okay, so there's five already on the list. Gordon, would you like to add another few songs to this list? Yes. Ah, oh, man, this is... Oh, the Bond scores, they... (laughs) Yeah, this is tough. (laughs) You don't know what this does to me. I don't mean just the choice, just, oh, man, just gets the hairs in the back of my neck. I just love the music of Bond. And again, going back to what I said before... It is so hard. To, there isn't really... I don't think there's any bad scores, certainly. Not even Die Another Day. So I, I do find this... Um, it's a labour of love. That's what it is. Now, I was going to mention Love and Like Die, which would definitely be in my top three, um, which that was a big part of my life as a young kid. And it just, you know, just a, a big kind of fabric of me growing up really is it did so much for me. So that's not what I'm going to mention. I'm going to mention Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yep. And I'm going to mention 1997's Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mention... 1964's Goldfinger. Yep. Any others? And as Fran also has included You Only Live Twice, which was a real high one for me, I'll have a substitute of Casino Royale. Okay. Uh, Is that your last? Yeah. Okay. Steve, what would you like to add to this list, if any? 
I actually have nothing to add to it. My main ones, which I was going to throw in, were Live and Let Die, and as we discussed last week, You Only Live Twice. Um, and everything else is kind of already in there. So uh, I'm going to leave the list as is. Excellent. But it's a pretty comprehensive list that we've got so far. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, I have a few to add. Uh, some of GoldenEye was on mine, and I I was struggling. I think Live and Let Die, I think, was... I'd never actually made a comprehensive list. I knew in my head which ones I thought, but every time I listened to the next one, I was like, oh, that's probably in there as well. Uh, I'll, I will add uh, The Living Daylights, Oh, nice choice! I, I I'd actually forgotten about that. That's a that's uh, a top. As soon as I, I I was yeah, I really like <laughs> like that. I was listening to. I was like, oh that's man, fucking, that's fucking awesome. Love it. I'm gonna add Thunderball. Yeah, I was thinking in Thunderball. Nice choice. Yeah, I was considering that too. I was as soon as I listened to it, I, I kind of re-listened to some of it. I just thought it was brilliant. Uh, John Barry, one of some of his best stuff. Oh yeah. Ah. Uh, it is hard. There's some just incredible wild cards as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would be adding it now for the sake of it because I think there's too much to talk about. But um, A View to a Kills I did quite enjoy. Mm. I think it might be a bit too 80s that it's aged a little, but I did enjoy listening to it. <laughs> um, you know, one song, obviously, regular listen to absolute classic rock the david lee roth version of california girls comes up quite a bit and mm-hmm. that takes me back to view to a kill but the i guess I, I presume you're thinking there steve you know obviously looking beyond that because there's such there's such amazing it's it's very much a, a latter day john barry it, i felt like his music became a bit more melancholic towards the end because that would have been that was his second last that was his penultimate mm-hmm. score yeah uh here's the one that we have to t- I think might have to discuss because it is a major part of the score. Doctor No. Oh yeah. Um, well, because it's, a, it's an interesting discussion point, isn't it? it? To me, yeah. we didn't really give Doctor No its fair discussion on the theme. It was actually cut as it was disqualified from the themes because we felt the Bond theme, being its title theme, didn't count, and it, it if it was counted, it was probably going to be a clear winner. So I feel like it needs to be discussed as the score because it is used quite yeah. a lot as part of the score. It's and it's obviously the most one of the most iconic themes ever. Like I feel like it's strange to not now give it kind of some time. So I feel like we can discuss it. It might be too, you know, it might still not stack up to the variety of the sounds and the songs and and the other ones that it still may not make the list. But I think we might have to discuss it. Yeah, I think at the time as well, um, I hadn't even realised that it. The majority of the score was Monty Norman, and his contribution to the Bond franchise certainly can't be understated. Because I mean, you know, it, it was originally there was that whole dispute. Um, it was finally settled that he had actually written the main melody to the James Bond song, but John Barry had adapted it with the whole band and everything. But um, but Monty Norman did the majority of that score, and you know, he, he did he did a bang up effort. I, I just found out last night actually that see the original version of the James Bond theme that John Barry did. Obviously, it's in that film. It comes up in From Russia With Love, uh, You Only Live Twice, Honor Majesties. Um, Jimmy Page played guitar in that, not lead guitar, but he he played um, some kind of rhythm guitar in the background. The lead guitarist was a guy called Vic Flick. It's just the that, that uh, iconic riff. And I think at that time as well, elect- it seems to me like electric guitar was still 
you know, in, in to a mainstream audience was quite a new thing. Mm-hmm. And that that's like the most rock and roll name for a guitar player. Because yeah. he was he was part of John Barry's band and, you know, he he was he was involved in, in the scores for a long time himself. Okay. Right. Now I won't add any more, that's enough. There's a lot of stuff there. Um so we're somehow gonna have to get this cut to a winner and two runners up. I'll just remind the audience if there's uh if the reminding is needed. You only live twice, Goldeneye, Skyfall, Octopussy, Live and Let Die, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Tomorrow Never Dies, Goldfinger, Casino Royale, The Living Daylights, Thunderball, A View to a Kill, and Doctor No. A lot of great scores there. Guys, uh Gordon, do you want to pick a film that you want to either highlight as one that you think somehow mm-hmm. makes it above all of these as a lock-in or one you would like to cut to suggest being cut from this list as not a nominee? All right. I'll go for a positive. I'm going to tell you one that I think has got to be in there. And I'm going to say Goldfinger, which is a, just an absolute classic. I think that's... I would go so far as to say a big John Barry fan. I'd say that's Barry's best. I feel from Dr. No to from Russia with Love to Goldfinger, it was John Barry gradually finding his feet. Um, obviously, Dr. No just did the title theme, but from Russia with Love, his first full-on score, which was great, but he was, um, I feel like it was leading up to something greater, and he probably peaked a film later with Goldfinger. And and I'm going to say about Goldfinger, there's there's so many classic Bond elements. It set the standard for so many were to follow. You feel the villain in that score. I mean, you feel the villain in the title. Gold. The film's called Goldfinger, but it plays it plays um the theme. Even you just see Goldfinger just doing something very run of the mill, walking down the stairs in Miami for the first time, and it plays it plays his theme, and that it gives him this aura. You feel it repeats his his you know, that cue whenever, you know, so many times he appears and it gives him this presence. It's almost like, I would say in License to Kill, uh, Michael Kamen did that with Sanchez. He gave the score a bit of a Latino feel and this kind of, this sort of Latin sort of darkness vibe that you you feel, even when he's not there, you feel Sanchez is there. It's the same in this, even when he's not there, you feel Goldfinger, you know. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I was um, listening to it this week and I remember this thought that came to my head as I was listening to it. It was blaring out my phone as I was doing household chores. <laughs> and, and my, it's just and, perfect for household chores. Yeah, in my dressing gown, you know, and I'm hearing this. I felt like I was I was a villain. I felt like... I, I mean, was... Don Raid at Fort Knox, that cue while you're, uh-huh. you know, like scrubbing some corner of the bathroom it's just (laughs) it's made for it it was it was an interesting way to listen to it It was funny uh but i did i was enjoying it i gotta say i was enjoying it i it is a high one for me i I haven't formulated in my head if it got into the top three but it certainly was close so i'm i can see that argument steve what um any thoughts on that yeah i i it's a classic score, start to finish, actually. It's got all the sort of brass mm-hmm. in there, particularly, which is now almost a signature part of anything that needs to sound like Bonds. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and I love, I, I only discovered recently, obviously, um, the, the song Golden Girl from that soundtrack. 
is sampled on one of my favourite songs ever, which is a song called 600 Ground by a band called Sneaker Pimps. It was a kind of sort of trip-hop, sort of chill-out type song. I think it was late 90s, early noughties. But it's, yeah. it's such a beautiful piece of work, and it stands up all these years later. Um, so, I mean, Goldfinger's a classic. I think we can, absolutely can't deny that. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Okay, we will leave that highlighted as one of our potential lock-ins. Uh, Steve, you want to choose a film you want to discuss, either to add to the list of the lock-in or cut from this list? Yeah, I'm going to lock one in, and I'm going to lock in Live and Let Die. Because, yep. again, I, I, I did manage to listen that, to that one pretty much start to finish, and it's right on my street. I love it. It's... I mean, like the, the rest of the film, it's got that really cool New Orleans sort of funk and soul. I love that sound. But kind of on the other hand, you've also got that really sort of dark, twisted, otherworldly kind of voodoo type sound, obviously, because you've got the, the Baron Samadhi side of the film yeah. um, that needs represented. So the whole thing, everything it's got, you've, you've obviously, you've got the soaring strings and the blasting horns that you need in a Bond film. But also this, just something you can walk into when you sort of really, you can imagine being on a Caribbean island and walking into a sort of soul club that all the, the locals are in and hearing it and just having a really good time to it. It's such a good, fun listen, yeah. but with sort of points that almost make you scared. Mm-hmm. I think it's a brilliant soundtrack start to finish, so I would love to, to see that in there. Yeah, again, I completely agree. This is also one of my uh, favourites. This is <laughs> this is going to be such a tough category because it means the next one I nominate, potentially, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but will cut the rest which is insane because i look at them and go they're all so good but yeah i completely agree i think george martin did a terrific job uh on this one and utilized the sort of mccartney and wings theme as part of the score uh and 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 his style on the bond theme as well i really like there's a there's a punch to it i don't know if it's the drums or whatever but there's something to it okay i'm gonna nominate it's i suppose myself and now I will state, actually, Fran, when he gave me the list, his number one was You Only Live Twice. So I feel like Fran, by that extension, should have that one nominated if he was here, because he did state that. I agree. So that is getting nominated. His reason being, he didn't go into a lot of detail, but he just loved the Asian feel, the sultriness of it, that hook, that little melody. He, He spoke at length on the podcast for that one. The, you know, up and down the the scale, the, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a classic. Um, and yeah, it's, the wedding sequence is maybe one of the the best bits. Yeah, and the 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 fight at the Kobe docks. There's a real element of danger. It's the yeah, like we mentioned about the motif from yeah. Nancy Sinatra's song, just repeated throughout the film. And like I said, it's got it's got an almost melancholic feel, which kind of feels good with this the you know the slightly more mature Connery Bond. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful scoring i think and then you've got the whole um the more when you get into the the big volcano set as well there's there's great there's there's even very subtle ways that barry brings in the bond theme very quiet even when bond's not there when um when blofeld is has got has got helga brandt and mr osato uh they don't know the bond's still alive and and helga brandt's like but it was in the newspapers and and um and Blofeld's like rubbish, Bond is alive. And see as soon as he mentions the word James Bond, you get that da, 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 da. you know, it's like Bond doesn't even need to be there. It's like you just feel him, you feel his presence. It's yep. it's just so masterfully done. Yep. 
completely agree. Barry did a fantastic job with this one, and it's so different from the other scores as well. Uh, so there is something very there's a it's it's distinctive, and yeah, I did enjoy listening to it. Softer certainly. Um, it doesn't have the same energy that some of the later scores. If you listen to the the, the Arnold scores, <laughs> it's so different. Um, yeah. But again, it was a different type of film. It was a slower it suited that film. So that would be Fran's pick. Uh, his second pick and my first pick is Goldeneye. It's I know that the Goldeneye is a divisive one for Bond purists um, because the score is so different. In ways is different from what Barry had done with the score. It's this very synth heavy, less orchestral, and it's kind of more atmospheric, I would say. But I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, I, I can recognize that Eric Serra did not completely do a great job with all of it, and that's why they had to get, was it Robert Altman? Roger Altman? To do the, the tank chase theme? To bring in a yeah, more Bond John sound. Altman. John Altman. Yeah, and which I think is a fantastic version of the Bond yeah. theme, by the way. And I would love to hear and I'd be very intrigued to hear certainly an entire score of a, a Bond film yeah. by Altman. Well, for me, for me, Goldeneye, partly some of my some of my main enjoyment is from the feeling of that soundtrack. I love that Soviet kind of gong feel, that sort of echoey, broken down kind of the dread that that score has. And yeah, it gets a bit bizarre, a little funky with the the car chase. When the Xenia yeah. and Bond are having that chase in Monte Carlo, it is a bit strange. But I, I kind of, I kind of find it kind of it's fine. I think it still works a little. Um, there's probably a better song that they could have used, but it doesn't detract too much for me. The main Golden Eye Overture theme is I love it. I just. I get goosebumps when I listen to that and I know when I say this how much of a GoldenEye fanboy I sound because I'd always talk about GoldenEye and I don't want to come across like I can't see the negatives. If we're talking about the score in general I think the the mixture of having the two different composers doing that that's why it's so good. If it was just Eric Serra's and they didn't replace the, the tank chase I would probably argue that it would not make the top list because Eric Serra's version of the tank uh, the driving St. Petersburg song is not great and it would not have worked. It is so strange, but they made the right decision. So, yeah, it fits. Um, Altman's theme actually fits in seamlessly to Sarah's score. I, it took me years to realize that it was a different composer. You wouldn't really, it isn't immediately obvious. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Okay, that's four uh, scores. Now, first of all, we'll obviously have to cut one of them, but what out of do we feel how do we feel about the ones that are not being talked about here like which did any of you guys feel that any of them could replace one of the ones we've got highlighted i don't think i can see another one there that would replace uh anything that's highlighted no okay okay there are a few honorable mentions yeah I mean, Thunderball, for example, I think we can't ignore particularly. It's the underwater scene, I yep. think, in particular, that jumps yeah. out if he's having a particularly great score. I love it. I love that stuff. The thing about about that is, as well, uh, you feel it feels like underwater music. It brings a sound to that's that's after seeing that film. That's how I would imagine underwater music to be. John Barry, this knack of giving things that don't have a sound a sound. And it's what what I find is it feels if you think about the kind of the, the great sort of brassy, um, loud 
cues in that film when he's actually on dry land and then when when he's underwater it's almost as if you're you're at like say a, a party and you're hearing a lot of loud music and you go underwater in a swimming pool and it's like you can still hear it, but it's muffled so it's like a slightly muted music yeah and it's really good and even even has like a he does that as well, not only when Bond's actually swimming in the sea, but when when he gets chucked into Largo's shark pool, you see the sharks coming into the swimming pool, and he even gives the sharks their own little sort of um, jingle. It's almost like an early version of the Jaws theme, because when, when the sharks, because Largo opens the hatch and they, they swim into the pool that Bond and the henchmen are in, and it's like da-da. Every time a shark passes, it says da-da. It's almost, I know this is me maybe giving John Barry a bit more credit than he would deserve here, but it's it's almost probably coincidentally it's, it's almost like a sort of early version of the Jaws theme. That's an interesting you know? perspective. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, it's a great yeah. score. It's got the and the 007 theme as well is yeah. there, and he's making he's not only using Tom Jones's great theme, but he's he's incorporating Mister Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, and so many bits, especially yeah. like when Bond and 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 Volpe are dancing in in the Kiss Kiss Club. They all, you know they, they even use the name. Um, there's a slow version of that, and it just it just feels so bonding to me. It's yeah. just it's, it's it was a great one to highlight. I think. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's try and see if we can cut some. Then just we'll talk about them and. They can probably they'll probably get cut unless we decide to go another way on it. Um, I mentioned a view to a kill as one. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it. On listening to it, I was enjoying it. Uh, it's got a very eighties kind of guitar rock feel to it, and it swells at points that I like. Um, and it's got a a great use of the Duran Duran theme as well, the motif through it as well, which I appreciated. Um, but at the same time, looking at First of all, some of like we just mentioned Thunderball and and I think the Living Daylights and and then the four that we've got highlighted. I don't think a view to a kill would would make the top three. So if I could cut that one, if you guys uh, feel the same, yeah, I'm happy enough. It lovely score. I feel that there's uh, there's the repetition in there, like with so many John Bay scores, but I think that's part part of his appeal was the simplicity of his music and the repetition, mm-hmm. different versions. There's I suppose the flute's quite probably quite a key instrument. It's less of a brassy score than, say, your Thunderballs and your, your Goldfingers. He had sort of modernised it, yes. I mean, as well as being an innovator and being a very, very much a jazz man with his band, I think John Barry, he did, he would move forward as well. And I think with Utah Kill and The Living Daylights, he was, he was starting to incorporate more modern instrumentation so yeah. you, you've got to give him credit for that i mean john barry's um his contribution to this franchise as a whole is because he's the, the composer who's done the most films he did i believe it's 11 and i mean all, we've all got our own personal viewpoints in this obviously i mean for me just being a big film fan in general i would i would say like pretty much john barry and john williams are in a world of their own really um, they're not just in a world of their own. They they practically own the world that they're in. I think the you think like what Star Wars would be without John Williams' music. It just it would. I know, I know. What would it be, man? Yeah. Or even Indiana Jones? I, I think the, there's so Park. many great composers. You've got. I mean, you guys mentioned George Martin. I mean, you've had six films with John Barry. So John Barry's not available for Eleven Let Die. You need a, a substitute. I mean, who better to get George Martin? He was the I'm sure he was the guy they said was the fifth Beatle. He was the Beatles producer, man. To get him in for a Bond 
score and you know yeah I, I agree with what you said with that the way Living Let Die it captures like the spirit of of like Harlem I, I feel in those sort of scenes in New York the the it's a very jazzy score it's very kind of funky and it's it was the first it really brought you into the 70s because Dimes Are Forever was a good score but it, it was in 1971 that still felt like uh uh more of a 60s score but um yeah there's there's been some real innovators and not in you know the films that john by didn't do you've got such amazing composers we've got you know bloody hans zimmer doing the next one yeah you yeah. think of his back catalog i know i would throw in danny elfman there if you're talking about composers i love danny elfman i've seen, uh, I seen him live i just love the stuff with tim burton the batman scores and things like that yeah beetlejuice mars attacks ah oh, yep great okay uh back to this a View to a Kill has been cut. Okay, Steve, are you wanting to choose a, a film that you just want to quickly discuss if you're probably going to cut it or if you would suddenly decide to put it up there as one you want to eliminate? Or, ah, yeah. I mean, this is I... This is I, um... I am struggling. Um, I suppose I'd... I mean, maybe I would go back to the start and maybe give Doctor No that honourable mention. Whether or not it's going to make it to the final, I don't know. But as being kind of the sort of genesis of working out what a, um, what a, film, a Bond film should sound like. They're obviously kind of throwing things out and seeing what works. And obviously it's responsible for the 007 theme, which is, as we've established, one of the most famous pieces of music um, possibly in existence, one of the most recognizable, certainly. Um, I don't think it's going to, like I say, it's, I think it should, it may have to go because it's not going to reach the heights of the ones that are highlighted, mm-hmm. but also underneath the mango tree is a great little, just yeah. little ditty. It's a yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I would say Dr. Knows, it, it sounds, um, it's a bit random the same way as I feel with Goldeneye is, but it's, it's, and it feels also a bit of a sort of, more of a generic 1950s score there's there's kind of horror film elements if you think about like the the sequence with the spider in bond's mm-hmm. bed yeah but it's it's nice and it you know i think for in terms of bringing the tension to the viewer really good yeah and repeated use of the bond theme. i mean he's only just like i think i mentioned before bond's doing mundane things like just walking into a hotel lobby and you hear the bond theme <laughs> yeah. in the background it's it's lovely but that's the thing I just, that I just loves that to me when i think of that that's that's why it's a tough one because that's a classic song and it's and it's obviously its first use. They nailed it the first time, um, yeah. and it's kind of. I mean, maybe it probably doesn't win. It doesn't get into the top three because it's a one-trick pony in a sense. If that's the argument you're making, but I, yeah, I, it's when I think of that film, I'm thinking of the Bond theme a lot of the time um, because of to me that's it's that was so used. It was like three or four times it comes on. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we cut it then at this point then it's yeah, harsh but yeah I think so okay alright Dr. No being cut uh, who is it still uh, Gordon have you to you can choose a film then you want to discuss then to potentially be cut off the list aye so let me see yeah I'm just cutting one god this is well, I mean you can oh, nominate to try, try and replace a four, the four that we've got but since it's just an excuse aye, to discuss, discuss well Aye, fair point, Steve. In that case, I don't know if it quite makes it in, but I think it's a worthy contender to pick one of the, like your third or fourth place. Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm. I really, really admire what David Arnold did for the franchise at that point. And I think not only that, out of the, out of the 
uh, five scores that he did, right up to and including Quan Masoas. I think it's the the best of his work easily. I feel that um, he beautifully adapt. He helped first of all. He helped co-write Surrender, which is the song over the end credits by KD Lang, and that. As I know, I repeatedly mentioned this, but this this was kind of like what Mister Kiss Kiss Bang was. This was originally the theme, and at the last minute, Cheryl Crow's song was, you know, replaced it. So they actually put Surrender over the end credits. But uh, just David Arnold with KD Lang just perfectly encapsulated everything about on musically there and lyrically, and he uses it repeatedly throughout the film. It's got that, it's got that kind of class and sort of sexiness. To the that you know, it, David Arnold deliberately had a lot of nods to to John By, not just with that, but but with a modern style, you know, with a, a respectful kind of modern style throughout the film. You get in, for example, the pre-title sequence. He's he's own sort of taking the from Rush with Love intro music, and then later on, even even like when he's the scene between Bond and Doctor Kaufman, he's got the. It's said that maybe that's a kind of like callback to the Doctor No Spider music, which is kind of cool. So he kind of, he's going for that kind of classic John Barry feel, but with a modern style, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't sound dated to me, but it sounds classy. And again, Bond's, he's doing day-to-day things and you hear the Bond, like he walks into the, the airport early in the film, just before he meets Q. All he's doing is he's looking at a newspaper stand and it plays the Bond theme. And then obviously, when he gets called into Whitehall, you see him driving in the Aston Martin. It's got, it, you know, it's it, it probably like the best version of the original, in my opinion, the best version of the the original James Bond theme since the the John Barry one. It's that the score just blows my mind. I, I feel towards the maybe the, like the last third of the film, similar to the the action, it maybe the music becomes a bit more action orientated. I I prefer, I prefer the sort of like. Um, slower bits, but there's. I think if you're a Bond purist like me, there's there's just so much to love about that score, and I think it it stands up really well today. I feel like see David Arnold's "World's Not Enough" and and "Dying Our Day" as good as they were. I feel that sometimes it's though they're they're slightly offbeat. They're um at sort of out of time with all the fast action and. So they're not quite as good, but the other reason I like to include tomorrow night is just as a final point is really just because I don't I don't obviously want to as much as I love John Barry scores I don't want to overload the thing with John Barry like to just for the all the scores that David Arnold did to I think he deserves certainly to have one that's sort of near the top of this list. Okay, some fair points there. Uh, out of curiosity, I think I know which one you'd want to pip, but if what one do you think it would replace? So is that? I see you've got four highlighted here, Steve. So yeah, so... even one of them will still have to get cut. <laughs> but it was that was between that's all of our favourites. But if what well, if you were to convince somehow me or Steve mm. that Tomorrow Never Dies was better than one of the four to get into that final fight, what one would you say yeah. is the film that it replaces? I think it replaces the the one just before it. In all honesty, Goldeneye, Eric Serra. Yeah, I thought you would say that. <laughs> I do. I do like bits of that score. I really love the. I think, like you said, Steve, the dark, the darker music, Bond meeting Yanis in Statue Park, excellent. The pre-title sequence, jumping off the dam, excellent. Good use of the Bond theme, 
respectfully using the Bond theme. I just find that the scores are very random in Goldeneye, to, to be honest with you. The, it, was, it was such a great idea of Bond um, racing a woman in a classic car. And the the score, like you mentioned, it kind of worked against that whole sequence. I feel the Natalia theme, it was nice she had her own theme, but it was too weird sounding and not it's just a very random score and then i don't i don't really like the the music at the because it's such a great sequence bonds like showdown with trevelyan at the end and and the mm. i don't i don't know the actual name of of i've forgotten the the cue there I, I feel just felt a bit a bit random really i think and then i just feel tomorrow never dies i just feel as the score's quite a bit ahead of Goldeneye, really. Okay, well, uh, I'll nominate it just as a different bold in it or something. Yeah. Right, for the conversation just now. We'll try and move on then. Um, I want to discuss The Living Daylights. I feel like The Living Daylights is one of... It was Barry, that was John Barry as well, wasn't it? That was his final one. Yeah. I feel like that was a fantastic bow out for John Barry. I just love the... There's an 80s feel to it, but it's not overly offensive <laughs> or anything like that. Like, the, the Bond theme is fantastic. I love the Pretenders, and you know, music as well. Um, Where's Everybody Gone? There's a kind of propulsion that a lot of it has that I'm, I'm just imagining Bond gripping onto the Jeep as the music is playing uh, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it gives me a, it gives, it gives, it gives me a kick... I love I love the score for this and it has that kind of Soviet again spy feel um like some of his earlier stuff uh, even in similar to Octopussy that um I do enjoy. Now there's a lot of films not highlighted. It's probably not going to beat Live and Let Die and Goldfinger and it doesn't it's not my favorite above Goldeneye so by that extension it would be weird to now suddenly try and argue. I mean, Fran's not here to argue. I, I think it's better than You Only Live Twice. It's a completely different type of score, but again, I don't know where we are in the room. How do we feel about about that? Does does The Living Delights have any chance of getting into that top three, or do you think we should just cut it? I don't know if it stands out quite as much as... I know you compared it there to You Only Live Twice. I don't know if it stands out as much. I don't... I, see, I, I, it had some great pieces of music i think on it but it didn't kind of have a i suppose a standout kind of motif or anything that particularly makes it jump out to the extent that the others do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And i think it did use some of the motif from the the aha song um and the theme which yeah. i did enjoy as well i always i think i always like that but yeah um probably it's up there in the top 10 but it doesn't make top three so maybe i can be to cut it even though i nominated it um if you feel the same, Gordon. Yeah, I can go along with that, Steve. It's, it's a very orchestral score, Living Daylights. Uh, there's a real openness to the music. Like, for example, the the scenes in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's where, where, again, I think John Barry was... He wasn't afraid to ex- experiment with some electronic music. The likes of the Ice Chase sequence and the the pre-titles, which I love. I love his version of the Bond theme again in that film. And like you said, we've got old Necros's theme. The, oh, the it's great. Uh, Where's Everybody Gone? Yeah. Just, it's, every time you hear it, you just know, oh, oh something bad's going to happen. I love it. It's just It's great. so good when they give villains their, or henchmen their, their own wee 
yeah. sort of um, jingle or piece of music. I'll, I mean, I'll go into that either later today or another podcast, but that's a really cool touch. I loved it, and that's why it's up there. It's probably my second favourite in amongst, you know, I mean, most of his scores are up there as my favourite um, and, and, and Goldeneye, so it's, it's tough to cut it. <laughs> I've just cut two of my favourites, but uh, yeah, it's got to be done. We've got to try and move on. Uh, Casino Royale. This is one that I, I, I must admit, I haven't re-listened to the Daniel Craig era stuff, so I can't. I don't have a lot to say on it. I wouldn't want to cut it or anything, just purely for that reason. So I, I'd want to be sold as to why was it Gordon you nominated this one? Why uh, would possibly deserve to, to pip one of the others, uh, yeah. or should we just should we give it some due and then and then cut it essentially? Yeah, I'd go along with that, mate. I, I would say it's. For me, Arnold's uh, Casino Royale score—it's the most—it's the most, it's the most um, bonding of scores without actually really using the Bond theme. I mean, until the final scene with Mister White at the very end, he he uses very subtly small elements of the Bond theme, which I can totally get. It's like Bond's becoming. Mm-hmm. it's like becoming Bond in that film he's met, it's rebooting the series, he's maybe a rookie he's not even a double O at the very start and you get, I love the it, yeah it just feels very James Bond without being overly I know how much I go on about the repetition of the Bond theme but it's still the strings, the and I think Vesper's theme is a beautiful theme, that has even been used in uh, in other um, productions because it's obviously so um respected and lauded uh as a a great score but yeah it's uh yeah i could go along with that maybe maybe not quite up there okay all right steve uh do you agree with cutting this one then yeah i do i think it's worth giving it its dues and it's in it's made it to the top 10 which i think is fair but it can be cut yep okay yeah you're right actually this is the exact top 10 (laughs) okay okay um which i now feel bad about cutting 11 daylights considering that's one of my favorites and i cut it even before the top 10 but anyways uh Right, let's try and pick another one. Who wants to pick? Steve, you want to pick one to discuss? Um, yeah, again, I think what I think what I'm going to do is come back to Thunderball and say it's definitely worth being in the top ten. It's a, it's great. I love the underwater theme particularly, um, but I think it's not going to make the top three or four. Um, so I am going to nominate that one. I think at this point, looking at what's or looking at what's left, I don't. I, I, I will. I will chime in on that just because Thunderball for me is. I prefer it over You Only Live Twice, and is about equal to Goldfinger. Maybe even at times, I think I prefer it. Um, but I wouldn't want in that to case, argue no, against Gold. Not, it's just it's Goldfinger it point. is a tough one. I really am not sure where I feel. I think the two of them are about equally great. So, um, yeah. That's a tough one. What else would you have said if you weren't going to cut it right now? Um, I'm just I'm looking at what else is left and trying to sort of remember what impacts um, score-wise they, they had on me. Um, I suppose I do... Honor Majesties was... Um, obviously, we all love that as a film. And the... Um, what's the, the main theme song? All the Time in the World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we have to probably mention that score at least and give it its give it the the credit because it's again it's mm-hmm. it, i thought it, it worked sort of nicely music i'm gonna go back to my notes no i completely but I think agree it, i remember it working nicely yeah musically. it's the most sensitive score i think there's a sensitivity in that film and i think there's a sensual kind of it's a love theme and it's an actual it's it's not just 
I think Natalia's theme tries that, and I don't think it nails it completely. It's like a a softer, feminine feel uh, song, but that score and and that particular song definitely nail the love story. You buy into it partly because of that song, and I think that's very effective. Um, for me, yeah. the only thing about that score is, and I do think it's great work from uh, it's John Barry in this one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah from john barry it's the beginning i really don't like that action scene music at the very beginning of the film i find it actually quite grating like i find it just a little would this be on the beach yeah with the, yeah. the fight between yeah. two of i guess two dracos henchmen. i find it a little cheesy a little i just a bit dated i think it's obviously 69 we're still in the 60s but that to me is where it's showing i don't think it aged quite as well i mean it's we're talking one part of the score and amongst great stuff but then we were arguing to try and get on the top three for me that's where that one falls down although i love what he did with the with the rest of it yeah i would say to give majesty's credit as well barry is again an innovator because he's using synthesizers and um i think yeah like steve pointed out there the the way that we have all the time the world use repeatedly even bits of it it's the same as even if you use certain bars of the Bond theme, the score. Uh, like, for example, when Bond first meets Draco and Bond suddenly... I like I like with all... See, all film scores, not just a Bond thing. See, when a certain word is mentioned and then a, there's a sudden change, sudden, you know, brings on a different tone musically. Like, for example, Bond suddenly says to Draco... Um, what do you know about Ernst Stavro Blofeld? And then you suddenly get this da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And they did that, the likes of Inspector, when um, Madeline Swan and Bond and Cure in the Hotel Room. I think it's when Madeline says the name Spectre and there's this sudden change. You know, the likes of Majesties does that very well. And yeah, there's. It's just, yeah, it's just a very sort of lush score. I feel, I feel, I mean, Diana Rigg. I mean, what a what an amazing actor she was in that film. To, I feel Tracy Bond throughout that score, especially the um, you know the versions, the repeated use of "We Have All the Time in the World." I, I feel her presence there. I feel I buy into the the love story. Yeah, it's just it's it's maybe Barry's most beautiful score. I think it's kind of up there with "You Only Love Twice" in that category. In terms of keeping it in, taking it out. Yeah, I think the likes of you only live twice edges it. Goldeneye for me doesn't doesn't edge it, but you know, but um, yeah, like I said, there is a lot of good points to the to the Goldeneye score, which I completely respect. Um, yeah. Honor Majesties is pretty damn close for me. It's, I mean, I I'm saying that as someone who enjoyed listening to uh, re-listening to it there, um, I did enjoy it, and I think it is a beautiful score, and it nails. It helps you buy into the the love story, which yeah. most of the other films haven't didn't do but are we okay with cutting it at this point then yeah go for it man okay right yeah so we now have a few still left to go uh gordon you want to mention another film out of the three we haven't discussed aye so well actually it's really just two because we did sort of speak about thunderball well i can unless you want to cut it um well i'm not sure i would say first of all I can um, see maybe where Fran's going with Octopussy. Into, I mean, I see Octopussy, see like Moonraker. They're obviously they're two Barry scores yet again. They're very dark scores and very light-hearted films. And I think that works wonderfully. That's kind of what's pushing 
for me like octopus is a four stars and moonraker like almost a four it's and it's hard to explain again the scores it's like something you you just get this feeling inside you and it's it's kind of hard to put into words and i suppose it's kind of like it's just that that element of danger especially you think in in octopus i don't know if franz maybe thinking about for example when 009's getting chased through the forest at the start by by mishka and grishka he and then he mentioned um the scene with the the big meeting room i think with orlov um he mentioned the 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 sort of feeling around that i think he loved the soviet nature of the of the sound and the again the dread i think he probably would agree with you though on that scene completely yeah i I feel and that's the yes that's the biggest strength sort of and nice action music sort of um i love that kind of frantic cue with when bond and octopus are lying in bed and they get attacked by the 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 tenchmen of kamal khan's and then the pre-titles which Mm -hmm. we all, all love love the the use of the bond theme there a slight sort of deviated version of it um and i like the again the sort of like yeah soviet sound just great use of the bond theme like for example when bond and vg are getting chased through um you know through the middle of town yeah there's a but yeah it's not it's maybe i don't know it's you could say there's maybe not enough innovation in that score to compare with like the likes of your your living light dies and your your gold fingers and your you only love twices so i mean i, 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 I would i would I? <laughs> yeah well the, yeah like, like man i mean, I mean eric said i was an innovator and he had his own take on the bond on the bond music which i completely respect and admire in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and um on your point on octopus though i agree that's actually the that's actually for me just nailed it why we would maybe just cut it at this point i think you're yeah right. i think yeah the four we have highlighted do something slightly different um they bring something different goldfinger cemented the sound of the bond score by that point and the rest innovated and octopussy is certainly a standout in terms of it's just a great score it highlights the film but it probably could get cut yeah yeah i was gonna say that yeah again it was i would cut it i mean i would say i was comparing it to moonraker which i think although moonraker's not in the list i think it it edges octopussy i think it's an even darker score than octopussy and especially there's something about like the music when bond and holly got on the shuttle into space at the end it's just it it's it's almost like an otherworldly sort of theme like almost like like not like star wars but just it's it's sort of that's the sort of music you would imagine if you're seeing space for the first time it's just that is that's a particularly gorgeous cue and again you good use of the bond theme but yeah, reading myself in here, I would, I would say, yeah, definitely, um, definitely take Octopus out. I really like it. Okay, Steve, you agree? Yeah, I actually do. Um, that was one of those ones with a great score, but the theme song lets it down. Obviously, the theme score song makes up part of the score mm-hmm. uh, and the way that it's used. So at this stage, Octopus, I think, can come out. Yes, okay. completely agree. Yep. Okie dokie. Uh, we've only got uh, seven films on this list now. Four, four still highlighted as our favourites, which still means one has to get cut. Skyfall then is the only one we haven't uh, delved into. And again, this is one that I haven't had a chance to re-listen to, unfortunately. So I don't, I'm not able to kind of intellectually argue uh, the case for it. It was, it was actually Fran that did nominate this one. So unfortunately, he's not here. How do we feel? Has he left any notes on why? 
just out of interest. I mean, I'm trying to work out what it is from that particular score that stands out. I'm just because uh, I I'm struggling to remember. I think it was maybe um, it was certainly it was the f- Thomas Newman was using the Bond theme more in that than he did in Casino or Quantum. He was gradually getting, I think, trying to get us more into classic Bond territory. I would say about the Thomas Newman's two scores, I've re- they're really edgy. Uh, they're classy at times, but they do something sound a bit like fairly generic action scores. Yeah, I think that's maybe why it's not as distinctive for me. Um, having watched the film a couple of times, it's it's not hitting me in the same way that I can remember the the parry themes. Um, I know that it probably completely works for the film, and it's that's it's modern and things like that, but. Unfortunately, I can't argue for this one. So it's a shame yeah. that Fran isn't here to kind of give us his take on this because this is one of the the reasons that it's going to get cut. Isn't yeah. it? it doesn't have. It'd be interesting to know. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he can listen back to this and scream at us, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. Yeah. I think we'll have to cut it. There's no point in arguing for it. We were not passionate about it being there, but but it's got to the final seven, and uh, yeah. So Skyfall has been cut. Now we are down to the final six, and. This is tough. This kind of is where we really have to decide. So it sounds like Goldfinger and Live and Let Die might be locked in. And the final position is the one that might be swapped out. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, that's, I think, yeah, yeah, that's where my mind is as well. Right. So we are fighting for that final position held by You Only Live Twice and Goldeneye. But we've now more or less highlighted Thunderball and Tomorrow Never Dies as the ones that could replace one of those. Uh, I'm getting the sense that Goldeneye is the one that Gordon would cut at this point. You would cut that over these other ones, yeah? Yeah, I'd uh, I'd chop Goldeneye right out. And like I said, um, I like it. I think I think as well. There's a there's a certain color palette to Goldeneye, which was in keeping with the maybe the the decaying download of the Soviet Union. And there's that. I really adore those sort of like Soviet gongs, mm-hmm. and uh, as well, there's there's good repetition, there's bad repetition. That cue, which I really don't like, over the the antenna cradle at the end, it was used also to an extent in the archive scene, Bond and Natalia escaping. Yeah, and yeah. again, I just feel it's kind of it's it's working against it a little bit, and I really don't like the the music in the casino with Bond beating Xenia. Uh, it just I, I quite mean, like it. It's got a sort of sultry darkness to it. It's sort of it's subtle, it's not overstated, it's letting the scene play out, it's trying not to over mm. kind of overdo you know it's letting the scene kind of stand out and it's just kind of got a nice eeriness to it. I don't know. but I think that's which is good for, for Xenia because you're never at that point you're not sure if she's the Bond girl, if she's actually gonna be your He's kind of flirting yeah. with the girl, and it's kind of it's not playing the hand that it, you know it could have, it, you know, but showing that she's a villain. Um, for me, it works, but yeah, Steve, where where do you sit with Goldeneye? What's your your thoughts on this one? I see. I think it has to be kind of paid tribute to, I suppose, as being one of the the first sort of mostly, I suppose, electronic mm-hmm. themes 
Uh, it's one of the first ones to leave the, the traditional horns and strings behind. Obviously, that's in there. I was thinking quite positively about the GoldenEye theme until someone mentioned Natalia's theme, which I suddenly <laughs> realized I went on. Oh, I, no, I, I knew that would trigger you. <laughs> yeah, I I just I didn't like it. It was it's a shame because it 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 stands out as because that does almost hark back to the sort of classic strings and love songs, and I don't think it worked. I think because it's so different to everything else, it's so sort of it's too cheesy and orchestral. I don't think. I think as as Gordon said, it's a very sort of random theme. It's got bits of everything. It's obviously bringing in the electronic stuff, but it still doesn't quite let go of the past well enough. And I think that's why I can see why Tomorrow Never Dies is in there because that kind of I think is where they've properly gone right. We'll let go of the past yeah, and yeah. we're going on with the future. Um, so it's a shame because otherwise, I mean, I do love the Soviet yeah, sounds yeah. of Goldeneye. It's it's very sort of dark and sort Spooky. of stripped back and simplistic. It's kind of yeah, stripped back and very cool. So I I do like it, but something needs to go. And I I don't have a problem with Goldeneye being of the ones that are left. I think the one that goes. I think this is where I'm feeling the the loss of Fran here. That I think he would have backed me up on this as one of his favourites, but. Uh, considering he's not here to argue the case and it's just myself. Uh yeah. Um so you would you you would also agree then that any you only have twice Tomorrow Never Dies and Thunderball would be above Goldeneye then, Steve? Above Goldeneye, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay, I will uh I will accept that. <laughs> I uh you know, I, I've put it forward. It's my favourite. It's I love it. But um, you know, this is a collaborative affair. We I'm not gonna to push when I can sense it's not really the one that everyone wants, but I can also see, you know, one or two fantastic themes that I think uh, scores that can also fill that third slot. So yeah. I am willing to accept it. Uh, As so- Steve pointed out, um, Steve, I was just going to say that um, maybe that they were looking for somebody to do, you know to sort of like move forward and that you know Steve mentioned like from Goal 9 to Tomorrow Never Dies Michael Wilson said himself that using Eric Serra was an experiment and I don't know if they were looking for someone they could maybe get a few films out of and they actually you don't want to always be living in the past but some composers like I said are good at moving forward I think maybe we would have got another good John Barry score at some point I might have mentioned before but John Barry was in talks to do tomorrow never dies and they fell apart at the last minute so i just i, I know obviously there's you've got bond in the modern era uh john barry's been doing it since the since 1963 but um, i'm just intrigued to just to see pierce's brawn pierce's bond with uh with a barry squad just oh what i'd give just to hear that because i john barry's agent said and this was made i don't know if it was about 96 but that they were close to signing a deal for him to do Tomorrow Never Dies and it fell apart on Christmas Day and it's oh it's for me it's just like such a it's like what one of the big what might have been of the of the mm. Bond franchise. I think right before I cut it the only thing I will say is I, I what I like about GoldenEye is that it's so different. I think it's um it's so different from your Barry it's probably one of the most different. Like even when you turn on the Bond DVDs when I'm about to watch them, it usually has a variation on the Bond theme playing from from that film. Yeah, the and that, the gun battle as well is great, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and the, the one gun that, battle theme. Yeah, the one that plays over Goldeneye. Oh, it just gives me this real buzz. Like I just, it just get excited, the chills, the kind of thing that haunting, echoey Soviet 
kind of theme that plays the dread that comes from that I just love it. That's the sound of that film. And, and I think it is that's the most different for me from all of the scores. Like, I feel that Arnold's score, yes, it's modern, but it does, har- I mean, intelligently it harkens back to the past and it plays around, but introduces modern elements to it. And all the other composers that represent a time, don't they? But the Goldeneye mm-hmm. one for me is just the most different. But I, I like it for that reason. But I can see why it's divisive and I will cut it. So, five left to go. This is tough now. Uh, for me, I'll, on tomorrow never dies. Then, I think it's I think it's good, and I think what he did was fresh, and I I, I do like it. I, I think that it becomes a bit generic action movie stuff towards the end. Gordon, you kind of alluded to yeah. that when you were talking about it, but I wouldn't be able to distinguish some of that stuff. I just thought it was just like real uh, generic is the word I would choose. Like it. Yeah, uh, and I don't feel that that works. It, it probably had to be done because the film became a bit generic action movie towards the, in that last third. That's yeah. his weakest point. Um, but when you've got classics here from like two other Barry scores, um, find out with this one. I think that's where this one falls short. You've got to, like I said, Steve. You've got to really admire the likes of um, Eric Serd. Just did one film. It was so exciting to hear his take on a great. Um, a great franchise and a great, you know, the just the music you associate with that. And he did he did do it respectfully. Uh, the same as Michael Kamen did a bang-up job in License to Kill. And like Eric says, going, I think it was very much in keeping with that film. Yeah. I think, but yeah, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the, head, on the head with the points I mentioned about the Tomorrow Never Dies. It is in the last third. It's not, it's not quite up there. I do like how he... He kind of, I think he gave way Leonard own kind of theme, and it's kind of like with the the idea was right in Goldeneye to give Natalia own theme. I like the Bond girl having their sort of little theme, um, and I think there's a good sort of one for Wei Lin. I'm pretty sure you hear that at the end when her and Bond are lying the wreckage of Carver's stealth ship. Um, it's just the problem is that we were we mentioned obviously France's like that that look between Bond and Wei Lin, and when they're in the the safe house as though they're there's showing the two of them are getting close and I didn't feel that the problem is there the music's actually there's a great wee musical cue there but it's like the chemistry's not quite there but that's that but and they they actually it's so weird because somehow you get it's like something might not be right between the characters but there's like but there's a one of the leading ladies has got a great theme because I thought seeing Die Another Day Jinx had a great theme but the way the character was written it's just not quite working for me yeah but the, the right idea like it's an Italia's theme it was just it was the wrong sort of theme so what I'm hearing is uh, Goldeneye should be brought back in then is the no, no. <laughs> it's like I'm not not done <laughs> criticising Goldeneye but no I'm just I, to, to give again just to give a bit of credit, I didn't want to sound like I just so I think, have a real problem so, with it so you're breaking up there Gordon did you say Goldeneye should win the cat right okay I'll, I'll bring it back in Goldeneye is the winner <laughs> oh, of the cat <laughs> right okay I think we're cutting tomorrow never dies then it's like Goldeneye's going to bloody win the best film it's not it doesn't need to win everything man. it's bloody bang hey, up I mean hey, the, hey, the I have it. three hey, titles it's, it got, yeah, well, it's been cut from nearly everything I've uh, nah, three titles it was, it was I know our, our favourite three titles uh, yeah, it, won, it was yeah, one of them anyway. it was one of them yeah right okay we are down to the final four now we've got one more to cut it sounds like it's between John Barry's either Thunderball or You Only Live Twice if we all agree that Goldfinger and Live and Let Die are still locked in the final Royal Rumble. Yeah. What do we think? What's what's where are we landing on this one? One hundred percent 
um, agree with you, Mr. Barry, about living like dying Goldfinger. They are, I think they're kind of untouchable at this point. Okay. Steve, um, you're quite you're quite keen in Thunderball, Mr. McCall, aren't you? Oh, that. Uh, I had some good things to say about Thunderball. I like kind of the. Uh, again, it's what I keep the the scene that I come back to. I think every time is the uh, the underwater one. Yeah. I don't know how much else yeah. of it that kind of sticks with me, but by the same token, with you only live twice, it's that one motif. That sticks with me. Yeah, it's tr- um, it's kind of the same for me. Like, the only have twice is a softer, s- sort of slower score, but again, is much more yeah, central yeah. and things like that. Thunderball, the underwater stuff, I love it. The other thing I think about the under the Thunderball score is, uh, the action scenes brought back the 007 theme, which is not the James Bond theme. The don't it's the. <laughs> I can't really do it. Oh, the 007? That... Yeah, the theme. 007. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that kid almost, the thing is, and I think this was what John Barry was going for when he brought in from Rush with Love, Steve. He wanted almost his own theme to rival the James Bond theme, one that kind of stands up like his Bond signature, and it, it kind of almost does that for me. It, I think it's it's yeah. really it's really catchy. I mean, they only used it for the first what five films or something. They kind of just stopped using it. I think they brought it in for uh, one of <laughs> Guy Hamilton's films, but it obviously never uh, they, made well, that impact. It came in in Moonraker, and you know as well, David Arnold was saying one of the questions he gets most commonly asked by Bond fans is because I mean he's renowned for his his classy nods to the past without being you know over nostalgic and he's repeatedly asked would you use would you adapt your own version of the 007 theme and he has says that he's actively looked at scenarios where he could use it but he was just feeling it just what there wasn't quite the scene where it would work and i can kind of get that especially once you get into casino royale and and quantum the tone of those films is an interesting <laughs> yeah. idea. Well, I would, I would just love to hear that. Like I say, no time to die. I know it's it sounds it's a bit of an odd idea, but just just to hear that and see Craig's Bond and screen, just it'd be so just for a fleeting moment, it'd be so cool. Do you know what? That's an interesting idea, isn't it? Like the idea of just taking and swapping all the scores for the different films, like putting the Man of the Golden Gun score over like Spectre or something like that, just to see how it plays. Ah, yeah. There's that, but also just like to like, adapt it to a darker version. Because if you listen to the likes of the likes of like, the Honor Majesty's Service theme, which is just it's so lauded, not just by Bond fans, but just by sort of film lovers. The David Arnold did his own his own version with a band a group called the Propeller Heads, which was on a special compilation. It was a dark version, but it's like you can almost imagine that in a in a Craig or Brosnan film. So that you know, there is sort of there's potential there. Like I feel a guy like David Arnold, he could somehow adapt that into somehow a Craig film. If they did just if they did it in the right way, you know, like changing the you know, down tuning it a little bit or whatever, you know. There's a way it can be done respectfully and 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 differently rather than just being overly nostalgic. Yeah. Okay, coming back to this, I feel like um, if we are sort of equal on You Only Live Twice and Thunderbolt, I feel like Fran's kind of pitch that You Only Live Twice was his favourite would elevate it onto this. As much as I actually personally think it would be Thunderbolt, I can't help but feel Fran would be really fighting for You Only Live Twice. And maybe that should give it the edge because I don't. I think it is so close between the two. I don't yeah. know how you feel about that. If we actually keep it as the three yeah. you've got highlighted, 
I think that's fair, actually. I think just to give Fran his um, yeah. his inputs, I think that's probably about right. Yeah, it is a beautiful score. Um, it is, in my, it would be probably my top five. Um, so I would. It's not a, an offence to me that it's on here as the, in in the top three. It is. It's clearly not going to be the winner because I think we've we've locked in the other two already. So yeah, I I think we can cut Thunderball as much as I love that underwater stuff. I think John Barry was it was a fantastic score. I really loved re-listening to it. The 007 theme has slightly dated. I think it's probably why it's not been used again. But it's still good for the time. Uh, Sixty five and but um yeah i will be cutting thunderball uh so we have our top three live and let die goldfinger and you'll live twice now it's clearly the winner is going to be goldfinger or you or live and let die how do we decide this where are we where are we landing with this guys well i'm going to go in with saying that my top is live and let die yeah. and i am gonna put my argument forward for that being the best but again it's my perspective here is more my preference for the style of music rather than i think judging it i think this is where i'm gonna have to go objective again and try and forget what my personal preferences are and look at how the score works within the film mm-hmm. and i mean living like die works it's it's not only really cool but it does i think it it manages to switch from being the sort of very cool New Orleans scenes to the sort of weird, otherworldly, Baron Samadhi voodoo style yeah. Uh, yeah. scenes. So I think it, I, I'm, I'm going to go with that for being my preference, but I think I will be swayed more by arguments in terms of how the score works Within in conjunction film. with the film, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, rather than listening to each song out of context. So I can't give that much nuance on that because I haven't watched the film very recently with the music in my mind. And I've only just recently re-listened to the music and just generally enjoyed it and it brought back the kind of memories of the film and stuff like that. But I wouldn't be able to... Uh, to me, they were, again, very close. I couldn't choose one. So I could side with Live and Let Die. Uh, Gordon, I'd be interested in your thoughts. What, first of all, you prefer and, and the reason for it. Bloody hell, this is a tough one, it really yeah, is. These, these like are two yeah. these are two absolutely banging scores, let's make no mistake about that. And yeah. from from um two absolute huge musical talents, Paul McCartney. Um well uh, sorry, Martin. I'm getting confused now, so obviously we're looking at the scores. Yeah. I but the sound of the title themes two incredible musicians and like John Barry and George Martin, like George Martin, like I said, he's I'm pretty sure he was the fifth Beatle, he was a Beatles producer. I think, Steve, yeah, you're totally right. You know, really capturing the voodoo world. And I feel as well, the likes of George Martin, he really, he adapts. It's like there's some musical cues. They actually feel like sound effects from the movie. Like the likes of the, I suppose it kind of is, but the likes of the funeral scene, the kind of, you know, the pretend funeral music mm-hmm. and the, the subsequent street party and then the, the voodoo dance in, in San Monique. It's yeah. like that's sound effects of them, of them, um, you know, kind of dancing around and stuff. But it's actually it's the music he's come up with. And there's even like when the likes of Bond sneaking in the voodoo shop earlier in the film, and he zooms his eyes sort of zoom in the number plate of the the pimp mobile, and it's got this sudden noise. It's like it's, it's sort of like a it's like a sound effect, but it's not a sound effect. You get the same like we thought when Odd Jobs nice little kind of jingle. The din din, it's less metallic sound effect, but it's it's music. Mm-hmm. It's like every time you see Odd Job in his hat. So you know the the two. Um, I mean, George Martin's doing a great job to emulate 
George ba- uh, uh, P- John Barry. I almost said George Bowie there. Yeah. And uh... <laughs> high praise for George Bowie. He's <laughs> <laughs> one name I did not expect to get name checked in this podcast. <laughs> Clyde One presenter George Bowie. Fair enough. You did a good job as well, but uh, I think I'm going to say I think Goldfinger edges this. Oh. Do you, want, do you want to, I don't yeah. know if you know what I know my rationale. Or yeah, of you course. Want to say a bit there, Steve. No, I mean, you're you'll be more elo- eloquent on it because you've got a bit more kind of experience with it. So I'm I'm actually wanting to be swayed as well, like as in the same way Steve is. Like I'm happy to hear the argument because I I haven't made my mind up. I'm leaning just slightly towards living let die, but I could easily go back with Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what's your the argument for this one? Well, I mean, I can see. Goldfinger for people who might say it's a bit cheesy, even obviously Shirley Bass's song, because you think, and this was, man, you, you'll probably notice this, and this wasn't just a Bond, early Bond feature, but a, a sort of 1960s film feature. You see, you suddenly see, um, the, the try to create a scenario of, you know, really sexy women appearing on the screen, and you get this, you get this with Pussy Glore's Flying Circus, when at exactly the same time, all of her, like, students, Pilot students come out of the planes, and you get this saxophone solo. It's like ba da da ba da da. See the amount of times in the Bond franchise you got. It's like they're they're trying to have a scenario where you know as a woman with a lot of sex appeal, and you get this really kind of over the top cheesy saxophone. I don't. You get it in the Living Daylights, and you get it in um, maybe Thunderball as well. A lot of the early Bonds. It's so I can kind of see people might maybe have issues with the likes of that, but. It sounds like it's you're like trying to the... try to argue for this being like losing. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I know I'm just I'm just I'm trying to be objective because I know yeah, okay, I've, I've talked to I know I've uh, I've said to like so many positives about all the Goldfinger music through through all this um, project, but I just feel it's it's actually the edgier side sometimes I think really works because I feel throughout this you feel Goldfinger's presence, the songs all about him, you feel him throughout the score even when he's not on the screen, but at the same time. He, he does. He brings in the Bond theme. I get this impression throughout the whole film. His score, the Bond's sort of under pressure, and he's secondary to the main character because throughout that film, and and Connery is amazing in that film. The the way they've done the story is though that Bond is sort of he's not quite firing in all cylinders at times, just like making mistakes and stuff. Uh, you know, his uh, female companions dying and all that sort of thing. You feel um, it's like. The whole film is almost like him versus Goldfinger, and I really, I really feel that in the score and the, it's the, the gun barrel just because we we got to say as well just and Living Like Die's got a real kind of banging gun barrel sequence. The, the just the impact of that it just prepares you for the whole film. It's like the best Goldfinger's get best gun barrel sequence of the whole film, and it just it just sets the tone for the rest of the score. It's I like mm. the it captures the darkness like when Bond Bond in the pre-title sequence sneaking in to attach all the C four explosive in the you know in the big um the big sort of depot outside the bar and then uh, Bond when he's sneaking up in Goldfinger's factory in Switzerland and just the soft it's it's a very brassy score but it's all about the trumpets and the lead guitar the lead guitar like I said electric guitar I think was quite innovative at that time. That it's like the guitar-led version of the Bond theme is like the epitome of the of Bond, I think. And Barry did obviously he brought in a more kind of brassy version of the Bond theme in later films, which is great too. But it's all about the sort of the the main Bond melody on the guitar. It's also all about the brass-led Goldfinger theme, and yeah. great great use of percussion as well. Um, 
Live and Let Die, love it. It just really kind of captures like the spirit of Harlem, the spirit of the Caribbean. They're very different. I, I don't know. It's it's hard. I think I feel Goldfinger kind of edges this one. Oh man, this is tough. This is where we need Fran, really. I think he would have a decisive vote, I think, in this. Uh, I'm a bit too in- indecisive. I think I'm now leaning slightly towards Gordon's view that Goldfinger might slightly edge it. I will admit I have got Spotify up in front of me and I'm listening through some of the themes in the background. And yeah. Goldfinger, looking at it objectively, it is so Bond. Yeah. It's like every song, you kind of just get that kind of shiver of excitement mm. that yeah. something Bondian is going to happen. Um, I didn't kind of realize how much that extended until I started sort of just flicking through some of the tracks. And I think if you're looking at the franchise overall and trying to look at the best Bond score, I think it's actually kind of difficult not to put Goldfinger, or just for the, the sort of classic nature of it. I mean, in terms of my own preferences, Live and Let Die wins it because I love that style. I yeah. love all the style of it. But I think looking at it as a, a Bond theme, a Bond score, I suspect Goldfinger might just edge it. Yeah, I think you might be right. I'm, I'm pretty much with that mindset. Um, so yeah, I could, I could see that. I'm happy for Goldfinger to win this. I think it would be well deserved, as well as the fact Living Like Die did win the best title theme anyway. So uh, it's a you know a fairer, that is fairer a good point actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's obviously testament to George Martin's score that it was so tight here. This was one of the tightest ones to, to for the category winner. So you know that 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 says a lot about that score. But yes, there we go. We have our winner. Goldfinger is the best score for the James Bond series ranked by Capiche and the Bond Daft Project. And that will do it for this category, uh, this episode. Thank you if you've listened. And we will be back for the worst. Bye-bye. <laughs>